Hey everyone, today we're going in a little bit of a different direction and by different, it's not so much geared towards the two to eight year olds, it's about teens and your teenager at home. But I want you to listen even if you do have those younger kids because guess what, they will turn into those teenagers. I have a really cool guest on today and I found him on the World Wide Web, also known as Instagram. And his name is Daniel Patterson. He has taught middle school and high school for 10 years. He was a high school assistant principal for four years, launched an educational center coaching firm four years ago where he works with clients all over the country, helping families solve complex educational and related roadblocks. He has two books and one of them is The Assertive Parent, which was published in 2018, reaching number one and two number one in two different categories on Amazon. He's written for the HuffPost, Thrive Global, the Los Angeles Times, and appeared on national television and radio podcasts. He also is the father of three kids, ages four, eight, and two, who have adorable names. And he lives in Southern California, He's happily married to his wife, Caroline, and who she is an attorney. So thanks so much, Daniel, for being on with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. Awesome. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we pressed record and we kind of like took some notes and you were responding back and forth to them. And my husband and I, Tyler and I were kind of blown away at some of these questions that we had from different parents who have teenagers and just your responses. I was like blowing my mind. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like crazy. I never knew about this stuff. So this is going to be really great. I think for some of those parents out there that have, you know, that seven to eight year old age range and all of a sudden they hit 10 and they're going to be dealing with kind of some of this stuff. So it'll be totally. good. Yeah. I was telling you, uh, give me teenagers all day long. That's fine. But if you ask me to get my three kids out the door by myself in the morning, I'm going to need uh, some more <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. I know it's kind of funny how that works when we're in our, we're like in our own genius almost that we right. have to separate ourselves. I know. So I'm just going to hop right in. Um, Go ahead. Our first question is a behavior one. And what are your thoughts on the effects of teenagers behavior when it comes to screens as phones, video games, like what are your thoughts on it messing with their behavior and their mood? Well, I mean, I, I certainly think that social media has been painted as the big bad wolf for a while and, and screen and screen times. But in, in the work that I do, I would have to agree with the sentiment that while it's a very powerful connective tool and it has a lot of um, benefits, it, it does create a lot of mischief in the teenage brain and, and not for everyone. But I think w when it works, it works well. And when it doesn't, it, it can create a, a lot of chaos. I have kids that um, use it as an isolative device. For example, you know, detached, like detachment from reality, either through video gaming, um, where they feel out of control in their real life. And, and maybe they're not checking all those boxes, those, those product drivers that we celebrate in kids, like varsity athlete or... 4.0 GPA or college admission, um, but where they don't fit in as well with the typical social group at school. So they take a deep dive into this alternate reality, which for them is really uh, a place where they can be anyone 
it who they want to be and they connect with people all over the country. Casual video games, we don't have them in our house. I didn't grow up with video games, but I think that um, they, they're highly addictive because they, they give that, that sense of self to students, um, but that sense of self is often, it's totally virtual and completely false, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like they're trying to find their identity and then they identify with this. And so they right. want to like keep going into that virtual world because that's what they identify with because they don't identify with those other things that you just right. That's their about. And that's their happy place. But, but the happy place isn't necessarily a safe space for them to be. And, and neither is social media. Social media, you know, the, the optics game that we all play, you know, and you look on social media feeds and, and you're like, wow, this person has it all figured out. They have it dialed in. And, and you start to do that comparison. And for teenagers who are just trying to figure out their sense of self anyways, as we all are, I mean, I'm 40 and I'm still trying to figure it out. It can create a lot of overwhelm in them in that they, the fear of missing out or, you know, posting things um, just to elicit a certain amount of likes or engagement, but it's not authentic. So it, it can serve as a trap. And in and, and big, big situations where kids that I work with have been sent away to treatment, you know, uh, you know, either voluntarily or not, and, and they go away, let's say they're gone. And treatment for like mental health disorders? Yeah, treatment for yeah. mental yeah. health or, or, you know, or, or a co-occurring diagnosis of substance abuse. And so they go to a treatment facility or they go to wilderness or a therapeutic boarding school somewhere where they don't have technology every single time when the when they come back the highlight of their experience there is that they didn't they thought they would miss it and they don't yeah it provided a sense of freedom and freedom from them and so a lot of times when they come back they, they they never get it again yeah because without it you know and our kids they're like you know 10 11 12 years old are handing them this device it's the most powerful thing in the world really and without any training without a lot of oversight and they can look up anything communicate with anyone find anything so it's overload it's sensory overload it's information overload it creates i think it creates anxiety i think it creates um again that sort of disassociation now i'm I'm not a therapist i'm not a clinician i'm using these words um Mm -hmm. but not from a clinical perspective just like they're they're not living an authentic life because they're trying to be who they're not really to uh, appear optically similar or to assimilate socially. Yeah. Yeah. So how might you suggest that parents change it? Leading by example. Yeah, (laughs) totally. My, I mean, my eight year old is always on me for being on my phone Mm -hmm. and I'm on my phone all the time. And, And my excuse, my running excuse is it's for work. And really it is, you know, I, I have a business model where I'm sort of on call on demand. And Mm -hmm. so people have access to me and through my business and Instagram and email and Facebook and all those things. Um, But a lot of times we we look at telling kids not to do something, but we're doing it ourselves. We're not having a healthy relationship with our own technology. I also feel like the, the rush to give the device because I'm the only one in sixth grade that doesn't have a phone, you know? And yeah. so we, we fall into that sort of parent guilt or that shame, like we're not providing something that's a norm. So too much too soon, I think is a problem, a slow drip. So giving them the phone and then maybe it's a smartphone and then you maybe give them one social media platform and see how they do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like the stalking where you're just looking 
taking a deep dive and analyzing everything that they're doing. Yeah. But when you first give the phone and you first allow them to have, let's say Instagram, right? Maybe you load it onto their device and you help them set up the account, but you know the password, but they don't. Yeah. And the reason is then you could see it if you wanted to, and they know that. So they start to develop positive use habits, right? Because there's that, my mom could see, my dad could see. So while I might post this, you know what, I'm not going to. Would you say that? Like if they were a parent, would you say, hey, just, you know, I'm not going to be checking it that much, but I do have the password. So I, you know, I mean, right. would you say something like that? I yeah. would say something like that. And I would say, I'm only going to check it if something feels off to me. Yeah. You know, I'm only going to, I'm only going to check it if, if there's a red flag, perhaps um, that would be, look, if I catch you in a lie or if you're being dishonest to me in any capacity, mm -hmm. if we're not having a transparent relationship, then that's my that's my invitation. You've invited me with that dishonesty so that I can audit your phone and see what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, but when they're young like that, I wouldn't let them know what their password is. Yeah. Because then they'll just hop on somebody else's device and log in. So meaning like you can take it away. If they're not using it correctly, you could shut it off and they couldn't log in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. So you're kind of like setting the expectations there. Right. Not really overly talking about it. You're just like, hey, Let's do this. Yeah, I'd love for you to be on Instagram. I'm going to know the password. And then if I ever feel like it's, you're acting a little off, then I'm just going to check it out. But until then, like, this is yours. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah, just, really I mean, just that, you know, if you, if you see a police officer on the side of the road, you drive the speed limit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Or you drop yeah. your phone on your lap. <laughs> I'm not on my phone, right? So you, it just creates good use habits. Um, and that, that is with younger kids as they as they climb and you know element like 10 11 12 i see a lot of people giving phones even younger than that my wow. daughter asked me when am i getting my phone and she's not getting a phone before high school that's the end of the end of that conversation so that's your personal opinion as you you feel that's like she's eight years old she doesn't need a phone you know before high school yeah no i don't think she needs a smartphone i mean maybe she could have a flip phone or that watch, you know, like that watch yeah, that they can. Yeah, the watch of some kind yeah. for, for emergencies. But even then, I feel like with the fear mongering of everyone needing a phone, I didn't have a cell phone until I was out of college. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I made it. I feel like so. that's a lot of us. Like we all survived. I went to the high school office and called my mom to come get me from basketball practice, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> you, like, yeah. you can do it. Yeah, we can do it. You're walking on the side of the road like, oh, crap, I forgot something. You, I mean, you don't want to knock on the guy's door, but you kind of know right. what Quick Trip is. Or <laughs> yeah, and I, and I just yeah. don't think that we're all, sometimes I feel like we're, we're just living in this fast forward cycle and every, every sort of season of life is getting condensed and, and cramming onto one another. So wherein high school kids are trying to live like college kids and middle school kids like high school kids, and then you have elementary kids want to be middle school kids and everyone's in this big hurry so we just pump the brakes and you can't put the toothpaste back into the tube so once you give them that smartphone it's really hard to undo mm -hmm. it's much more effective to delay the process and when you integrate it then do it intentionally and put some safeguards in place and really have that moral conversation you know this is the device this is the power of this device and the beauty of it is that you can communicate with anyone anywhere. And the danger of it is that you can communicate with anyone anywhere. Yeah. So it's that, yeah. that moral compass um, is more important than 
you know, stalking it and being on it all the time and living as a parent in this constant state of fear, but also not like absolving yourself from having access to monitoring it. Or, you know, I, parents yeah. will be like, I don't know my kid's password. Yeah. And I'm like, why? It's your phone. Yeah. You, you don't know their them. Apple ID, yeah. you know, they just, well, I don't want them to feel like I don't trust me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're 15 and, and 15 year olds inherently don't have the impulse control, the brain development, any of it to be completely trusted with anything. You're not, you're not to be their best friend. You're their parent. <laughs> no. And, and with driving, I like the analogy with driving, you know, driving is also a big privilege and a big liability and you can go anywhere with anyone. Same thing, right? It's a powerful tool, but it's dangerous, but we have them do 30 hours of driver's training online and then they have to take a test and then they have to pass the test and then they have to take a driving test. And then they have a six month or a year period where they can't drive anyone else in the car. And we do that because you know that it's a big responsibility and it's a big liability, but we don't do that with phones. And, and that's confusing to me, especially yeah. when I, I'm talking about like your 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's the danger zone. And that's the time, that's the opportune time to develop those appropriate use patterns and habits and have those conversations when they're still listening to you. Yeah. Yeah. I like how a little bit prior you talked about like being the example to them and that's really telling because just like we said, we didn't have phones, you know, when we were in middle school and high school, but we do now. So showing them that now, yes, we do have access just like you, but I'm not going to say, no, you can't watch TV tonight or no, you can't play video games. And then I'm sitting at the dining room table on my phone. Right. You know, so I feel like that's a really good thing. It's like, no, you can't have your phone in your room. Well, maybe I shouldn't have my phone in my room either. I mean, just kind of branching off there. That's right. Or even what, or even sort of like what you post, you know, one of my triggers is just, and and people can post what they want. I'm not the, I'm not the police of Instagram, but it's just, if you, if you as a parent are posting pictures of, you know, going out and partying or just like, oh, I'm so sexy. And it's always this vibe of really edgy, then you can definitely expect that your child is going to emulate that because yeah. they are always watching you. They don't listen to you as a teenager a lot, but they're always watching. They're always watching you. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's such a solid point. That's really, that's really good. I can just think about one direct time. My husband sometimes posts um, when he works out or when he makes a big lift. I mean, we own a gym and it's funny because my middle daughter Larkin will say, dad, dad, can you take a picture of me doing this box jump? Can you, and like, she wants me to like send that to grandma. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of funny because they do, you're right. They do see what you post and they do see, yeah, that's, that's really good. Good point. Good point. So um, transitioning here, what would you say to parents or what do you say to parents when they come to you and they kind of say like, my teenager won't talk to me. Like they don't talk to me. I want to have a relationship with them and I can't, I can't get them to say anything to me. Yeah. Well, our kids are talked at all day long Mm -hmm. in school. And they're talked at at sports and they're talked at when they go to the tutor. A lot of people talk at them, but not a lot of people talk with them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so the disconnect typically with parents is that they are focusing on product drivers. So they're focusing on those big shiny objects like, do you have homework? Do you have 
Um, how did you do on that test? Did you email your teacher? Did you play in your game? And it's all of these product drivers that make kids feel like they're just in a constant state of judgment. Mm-hmm. And so they avoid because they've been talked at all day long. Yep. And then they come home or you pick them up in the car and then you're talking at them and they're just, they've had enough. And so when, when you want to shift in that is that you learn to separate your child from their resume, really. Yeah. Um, and learn that they are a whole person and school is part of their life, but it is not the only part of their life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always recommend a 45 minute rule, which is when you first see your child, um, when you get home from work or they get home from school, you set a timer on your phone and you say, I am not going to talk to them about product for 45 minutes. I'm, and then parents will be like, well, there's nothing to say. About? Yeah, yeah. What am I talking about? Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. Figure it out because they've been your child your whole life. And, um, <laughs> they, they, you know, they've got to have other things to talk about. And, yeah. and that's a big red flag. And what it does is that when it de-escalates that tension. And when kids start to understand that you're not just going to talk to them or talk at them about all the things that they should have done or should do or how they're doing, then they will start to spend less time in their room and they'll stop, they'll stay a little bit longer at the kitchen bar, like having a snack, like if you're, you're feeding them. Mm -hmm. So usually that is because you're, you're talking at them and you're not talking with them. So what's a, what are like two, I just want to like think about this for a second. So we have a couple friends that have teenage, you know, kids and what are a couple questions that are unrelated that can be prompted that they can, you know, bring up. Like I'm thinking about with my daughter Sloan, I mean, she's seven, she really likes to cook. So, I mean, yesterday I was like, let's go to the grocery store after school today. And what do you want to have? And right. I mean, what are some prompts that you can even just say for them to like get them thinking about like, okay, I'm not going to talk to them about school. I'm not going to talk to them about homework. I'm not going to talk to them about right. how school was. What are some things that you can say? Well, I mean, with boys, a lot of the teenage boys I work with love fantasy sports, like fantasy football and all of those things. So I always recommend dads, you know, have you considered, you know, being in the fantasy football league with your son, right? Oh, that that's gives, freaking awesome. That's that cool. gives you, yeah. that gives you something that they're excited to talk about and it's competitive and, and those little conversations about nothing yep. create equity for big, that you can cash in for the real conversations. Yep. Um, similarly, you know, if, if people are watching a show together, you know, they could, if you're watching Netflix, maybe when they get home, you like watch an episode of something, you're showing them the office or something classic, right? Yeah. Um, there's those. And also just getting them active, um, going for a walk, or maybe you, my dad and I didn't always see eye to eye necessarily, you know, cause teenager dad, you just have that natural tension, but we would always go play tennis together. Yeah. I play tennis and he played tennis and that was our safe space. That was our neutral location. We wouldn't talk about anything like real, like real, quote unquote mm-hmm. real, but we would talk a lot because it was sort of this safe space. So whatever that looks like, the, the, those are a few recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that a lot. And I also like too, like how you just said, as long like they're in proximity of you, that's right. really cool too. Even if they are just like sitting there minding, you think they're minding their own business, they're still there with you. And that's okay. I like that. That is okay. You don't always have to be having some deep conversation. Mm-hmm. In fact, silence is more powerful than you just asking them a bunch of questions about school. 
Um, because oftentimes if you're, they will break the silence. It's uncomfortable to them. Mm -hmm. um, they don't, they don't want to sit in silence, but every, every kid is different. Every family is different. Um, the other thing, you know, a lot of the kids, teenagers I work with have no idea what their parents do. They have yeah. no idea what their parents' days look like. I'm not saying that you need to talk about like, oh, when I was a kid, but you could also say, you know, you could be telling them about your day as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. So we have a friend and she said she downloaded Snapchat because she was having communication problems with her ninth grade daughter. And she said that her daughter, she's divorced and that her daughter wasn't answering her phone calls and she wasn't replying to her text messages, maybe like 50% of the time. So she just on a whim was like, well, she's Snapchatting all her friends. So she downloaded Snapchat and she said she gets a reply every single time. And her and her daughter have this like thread going of, you know, responding. Right. You a know, streak. They call a, it a streak. streak. Yeah, a streak. Yeah. A streak. That's what it is. And she said it's so it's so awesome because now even when she's at her dad's 50% of the time, she still sees her daughter every day because she, you know, decided that, well, this is how she communicates. So I right. might as well communicate with her, you know, at her, absolutely. her level. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. It's not the it's not the olden days. It's not like when I was a kid. That that mindset and approach to to rearing a 11 to 18 year old is futile yeah. um you, you do learn to speak their language and i mean in working with teenagers every day for the last 16 years i i can speak their language because i've just i'm fluent in it mm -hmm. um, but i'm always learning new things i'm always learning new terminology and technology and and applications that they're using but they are digital natives. Like they have been born in a world where technology reigns and it is what it is. And we are, uh, parents typically are digital immigrants. Like we didn't have it before, but now we have it. So there's a, just a generational disconnect. So learning to speak the language and know the platform and know the terminology is, if you are going to allow them to have those platforms, then it is your responsibility to know those platforms. And, yeah. and simply saying, well, well, I don't know, and I don't can't figure it out, or I, I would never be on that. Um, you know, that is judging them. They're feeling judged, yeah, and it's it's just yeah. ignorant. It's ignorant, and and you wouldn't do that in a lot of other situations, like with new medicine, for example. You would be like, well, that's that medicine wasn't around when I was a kid, so I'm not going to explore that new medicine. Like if they have some crazy fracture in their arm, and there's this new way to fix it, you'd mm -hmm. be all about that. It's innovative. Yep. With technology, we're so fearful of it and judgy with it that we don't get in and get our hands dirty and figure out what it is. So that's brilliant by, by your friend because um, it also shows that you as a parent are willing to innovate to meet their needs. And it's not just like my way or the highway. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a hybrid, it's a symbiotic relationship, which as you get older with kids, it, it goes more in that direction. Yep, yeah, I think that that's like key so good so so good yeah i was like really impressed when she told me about that and i actually brought it up to my mom at christmas time because i have a brother who's significantly younger than me and she's like i maybe get a phone call from your brother at school like one time a week i'm like mom he snapchats his friends 20 times a day you should get snapchat and she's like yeah i think i should download that <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe she I, I, I failed her though because i was going to show her how to use it and then i never did so she'll probably listen to this and be like oh yeah i gotta you know, you get on that. To me how to do Snapchat because my I even told my brother that he was like, Oh, yeah, I'd snap mom, I'd snap her every day. I was like, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, mom, you got to get on that. So I know we kind of hit on this too, just about how 
you know, 15 year old girls or middle school girls are trying to be like high school girls, high school girls trying to be like, you know, college girls and guys too, boys too. So how do you kind of, you know, specifically help parents in this area? Like what are some concrete advice that you kind of give to them? I know that every situation is maybe a little bit different, but how do you kind of handle that? Well, I think uh, to reevaluate your parenting style within the relationship of work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of students that I work with, you know, they have a 4.0. They play a varsity sport. They've gotten into a good college. They do, they check every box, right, that you need to do. Kids are very good at that. And because they do those things, permissive drinking, permissive cell phone, permissive curfew, permissive this, permissive that, kind of rewarding them, being like, well, as long as you are taking care of this business, then you can have those things. And so, again, it's this session with product where if my kid does X, Y, and Z, they're going to get X, Y, and Z. And those are not congruent, typically, with their age and stage of life. And so, really trying to preserve each season of life is, is super important. Um, and you can't, can't stop it. You can't always contain it, but you can slow it down and you can help them. So like drug testing, a lot of parents, I, I'm a proponent of drug testing. I think it sets a very clear boundary and a very clear expectation. Mm-hmm. Nick, Nick testing, like testing for nicotine, mm-hmm. um, because you know, vaping, even though vaping is really bad PR right now because of the whole jewel epidemic, but yeah. you know, they're using nicotine in a lot of ways now, at least, you know, here in Southern California, jewel is sort of out and they've moved on to a, another modality of getting nicotine, but Nick testing, drug testing, having a curfew, old school things that, that are take time, energy, effort, and they're kind of a pain, mm-hmm. but the, the, the yield that they pay off later um, in terms of the student's ability to self-regulate when they go to college or, or when they move out, it, it, it will help them. What are your thoughts on schools doing drug testing and schools doing that, you know, randomized testing? Um, I know here the private schools can do drug testing. The public schools cannot drug test. Yeah. Um, I think it's putting responsibility in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, I, I feel like drug testing in schools is a result of parents not having the, you know, the posture or, or the infrastructure or the like intuitive strength to, to execute and to do it. I'm indifferent about the, the drug testing. I, I do think though that when kids are using drugs, specifically marijuana, it's self-medication and it's just a big red flag that something else isn't working. You know, yeah. they're not happy in their other life. So Part of the problem with school drug testing is oftentimes if they do get caught and they get kicked out. Mm-hmm. So, but what does that solve? Nothing. It solves zero percent of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, versus at home, I feel like if you can catch it at home, then if if you are proactive um, or you know correct in your reactive posturing, you can get them the help that they need either through you know, maybe they are taking classes they don't want to take or playing a sport that they hate or at a school that doesn't make them happy or they're being cyber bullied or you just got a divorce and they don't know how to deal with it, but they haven't seen a therapist. All of these moving parts yeah. um, for drugs, specifically marijuana. And marijuana has also had really good PR lately. It's legalized in a lot of places. And, and I'm not telling adult adults what to do or not do, but I do know that on the teenage brain, it creates absolute chaos. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not the weed that like your grandpa smoked, you know, it's not good old fashioned Woodstock weed. It is synthetic, it's liquid, it's altered, it's much stronger. It leads to psychosis, depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing redemptive about its use recre- recreationally, in my opinion, unless, you know, perhaps there's a specific medical condition that your doctor has told you, like, this will help you with like epilepsy or, or something. Yeah. Other than that, I, I, I'm not for it. And, but a lot of times parents will say, hey, you know what? They have their grades. They're playing the sport. They're a good kid. So I'm just going to let them do it. And they're like 15 years old. And that's going to create damage on their long-term cognitive ability and their coping skills. And, mm-hmm. and as an adult, it's going to increase their reliance on substance to get through a bad day or feel awkward at a party. All of the fun things in life that we have to learn how to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, or you know, I as long as I'm doing all of the right things on paper or optically, then I can use drugs and I can use substances and and in the long term that is a bad relationship with substance and it's going to create more problems than benefits for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, Daniel, well, I feel like we hit on a lot of like really good stuff and I feel like we need to get you back on. Um, All right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you want to let everybody know, I feel like there's, you might get a lot of <laughs> emails after this, but do you want to let people know where they can find you um, on social media or yeah. reach you? Yeah, that would be great. Um, my Instagram handle is Patterson Perspective. And my website is pattersonperspective.com. In terms of the parenting, I wrote a book. I basically packaged like this conversation we're having, I was having so frequently, I put it all into a book that's just four sections called The Assertive Parent. And it's about school and academics, substances, um, technology, and then family systems and communication. That's awesome. uh, You can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, it's, It's available and on both like in print copy or ebook yeah i'll link all of these in our show notes too so i'll even link it like on amazon they can just click buy that'll be oh that'd be that'd be great but it it does really and and the book is a choose your own adventure it's not meant to be read in in like from cover to cover it's sort of like a baby 411 book yeah for for parents of teenagers that's 11 11 to 18. Tyler and I have talked before on the podcast about, uh, you know, you get the book on what to expect when you're expecting, but what, where's the book on, you know, what to expect when your three, four, five, eight-year-old is tantruming in the grocery store and you don't know right. what to do, or your teenager has Snapchat and you don't know anything about it. What do I do? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. that, that is the, that is the function of, of that book and it's been effective for lots of parents. That's so awesome. Well, I really appreciate you for being on the podcast. I'm sure we're going to have, you know, great response and you'll likely get a lot of emails, a lot of from from Green Bay, Wisconsin. All right. People heading over. So awesome. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll chat again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. All right.